0: Love of the game. This is
1: love, set match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal. You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, right? you have to be better than someone that's across the net.
2: I think you got to stay active in a sport sense you know go out there do some sports i think it always makes you feel better maybe you're more tired in the very moment but actually the rest of the day feels better and then i think giving back as well you know making other people happy is going to get, give you
3: a good feeling too hello everyone welcome to tennis pal chronicles the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis We have a great interview to share with you today featuring former world number one doubles player Bethany Maddox-Sands. I can't wait to have you listen to that. But first, look who's here joining me again. It's my tennis pal, Valerie. How are you, beautiful? Hey,
1: how's it going, PK?
3: Oh my gosh, I miss you. It's been way too long.
1: I know. I almost forgot what you look like. That's no good.
3: Well all you need to know is the RF hat that I'm always wearing.
1: yes <laughs> you yes. can
3: you can spot me in a crowd
1: you <laughs> can I think I've only seen you without that hat one time.
3: <laughs> that's right and you called me out on it yeah. I think I was wearing like under armor or something
1: yeah or it was, no it was like wreck tennis
3: <laughs> you no know, wreck tennis that's what it yeah. was yes memorable <laughs> I'll
1: never forget that day. <laughs> It'll never happen again.
3: I hope not In Roger I hope not. we trust. That's right. And we're going to talk more about the RF hats that uh, were just recently released. Well, but first, let's give a shout out to Tennis Pal. Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, which is a great app you can download for Android and iPhone and find people to play with.
1: Tennis Pal is the best app for someone like me who is not in the tennis world like you. I use the Tennis Pal app all the time to find local players that I can kind of just go have a hitting session with or play a match. It's never failed me. I always find someone who's willing to play.
3: It's so great. And I think you are in the tennis world. You you have your own podcast, you know.
1: It's true. i meant in, in like the recreational playing world.
3: Oh, gotcha. <laughs> For sure,
1: I'm in the tennis world.
3: <laughs> I mean that's why I love doing this podcast with you like before we had a podcast you and I would just talk tennis nonstop it was just like a, a great meeting of the heart
1: yes and uh anytime it's tennis is happening I am watching but ask me to play and it's it's few and far between which is why you know people don't find me reliable as a As a friend to play with, which is why the Tennis Pal app is so great for someone like me, (laughs) because I need to find someone new who doesn't know that like in two weeks when they ask me, I'm not going to be available.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You're so funny. Well, it is true that it's hard to find people to play with. And that's why this app was created the founder Halle, she wanted to find other people to play tennis with and so it's so great that they have this wonderful pal search function where you can just uh, search by your zip code Uh, you can search by distance from where you are if you're in a different city you can search in that city and find if there's a pal in that area that you can play with and they just announced this new broadcast feature have have you seen that Valerie? i
1: haven't no
3: It's kind of cool. It's right when you do a a find pal search, you can actually broadcast that and it'll actually send that out into moments for two days to like the top 100 search results that you search. And so in their moments feed uh, for the next 48 hours, they'll see your message. So you can say like, hey, I'm playing downtown until 8 p.m. tomorrow if you want to meet me. And then it'll broadcast to like 100 people and see if they respond to you. They can send you a direct message and start a chat and, you know, get some hitting going.
1: Nice. I like it. One of the features that I like is that I can also not only by location, but by ranking or skill level. Um, Because that's always nice is when you can find someone who has a similar skill level to yours to hit with.
3: Yeah, I love hitting with anyone. Honestly, like it doesn't matter what level. I know some people are really like, you know, hey, I'm this level and I don't want to play below my level because it's too frustrating. But, you know, I do that all day long. So I just love introducing people to tennis as well as being challenged by someone who's better than me. It's really awesome. And there is the whole spectrum on Tennis Pal. There's so many different levels of people. And that's the beautiful thing about it.
1: Yes, you are special and you have that coach in you as well I think you have a <laughs> lot more patience than than most <laughs>
3: <laughs> well I do try but I didn't need to have patience with you you were hitting really good last time we played in La Puente that was a lot of fun
1: gosh I don't even remember the last time I hit Philip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and honestly talking about Los Angeles, unfortunately all of my classes, all of my lessons have been canceled recently because of this uh new shutdown that they just imposed where the tennis courts are still open, they're not locked like they were back in March, but the mandate is that you only play with your immediate family. So, you know, you're not supposed to be playing doubles with your doubles partner because obviously they're not unless your doubles partner is your brother like the Brian brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or unless like you live with them, right? I think.
3: Right, exactly. So your pod or, you know. And so my friends, of course, stretch it to the limit and say, "Hey, we're all tennis family over here." <laughs> but I cannot condone this behavior, Philip. <laughs> yes, that's what's gotten us in trouble, hasn't it? And and so, I mean, this is horrible. Uh, we're we're up in the nine thousands now daily cases, so it's, it's just awful.
1: Wow, I have I haven't even looked. So I pretty you much just, never leave my house.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, hopefully, um, people all around the country who are listening to this they get to play tennis but unfortunately right now in Los Angeles we don't Um, unless you're playing with your family or you're out there practicing serve or hitting with the ball machine I mean those are all options finding a great wall you know Mm -hmm. Um, for me yeah I haven't played for like three weeks now so it's really sad I miss all my (laughs) it might be (laughs) it might be maybe
1: only an injury has ever sidelined you that long
3: yeah, yeah. And uh, so what What I've been doing actually is yoga. Uh, I've been really working on doing um, this, the things that we just put out in a new book called Yoga for Tennis. And uh, a great friend of mine, Marsha Gray, and I put this book together. It's now available. They can go to lovesetmatch.net and download the book. It's only $5 and uh, it's something that is 150 pages. I think people will really enjoy it. We have many, many different yoga poses that people can learn from as well as the modified poses within those poses. And so it's 150 pages of yoga and a lot of tennis instruction about how this yoga pose might help your tennis, how this will help your uh, split step, how this will help your shoulder and serve. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. I'm hoping that this kind of cross training with yoga is going to make me a much better player.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait to get the book. I've been waiting for the link, but since I've been off Facebook, I think I'm missing out on a lot of your notifications, but I'm glad (laughs) you you think I have the podcast. So now I know I'm going to go to your website and I'm going to get the download because I've been waiting for this book.
3: Well, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, lovesetmatch.net is where you can download it and uh, just go into the shop. I'm really am proud of the book. I'm proud of Marsha for putting it together. She is a certified yoga instructor as well as a Navy fitness trainer. So she, in her history, has trained naval officers to get ready for their fitness tests, and she really knows her stuff. So I, I just feel grateful to have such a well-trained partner, both in fitness and in yoga. And then I add my two cents in the tennis world and uh, and I, I really had a great time putting it together.
1: That's awesome. And I would like to remind everyone that you, we did, or you actually, I think interviewed her. So we do have a podcast with um, speaking with her if, if they want to listen. But the other thing I actually would love to throw out there since it's Christmas time, I think uh, Tennis Pal Chronicles should go ahead and give away some of these books to maybe the first three people who will leave us an iTunes review and then just shoot us an email and let us know that oh, they left a, a review. Oh, that's
3: a great idea. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, but not if they leave us a bad review. <laughs>
1: <laughs> who, who would ever do that, Philip? <laughs>
3: Well, we're at we're at five stars on our reviews, and we're really grateful for everyone who's left left a review. But I would hate for that to go down, and then I'd have to give somebody a book.
1: Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> I doubt somebody would do that and expect a book. I'm
3: kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would that would be so bad.
1: Down with tennis ball. Pedal, tennis ball right. chronicles. And where's my book? <laughs> yes, give me my damn book. No. <laughs>
3: Well, speaking of Christmas gifts, I really thought my year was going to have at least one highlight because, you know, 2020 has been kind of harsh for all of us. Um, Roger Federer announced that he got his RF logo back uh, at the beginning of the year and that Uniqlo, his clothing sponsor, was going to release a brand new series of RF hats, right? Yes. I sent you that message on, um, on Facebook that you never got and then you sent me a message uh, on text and I was like, yeah, didn't you see the message <laughs> I sent you days ago that that it's happening? So it was supposed to come out December 8th, right? And I was so ramped up about it. I was tweeting on Twitter and I was showing people some of my old hats and I was like, "Wow, these are so beat up and, you know, I really need to refresh my stock. I'm so excited to be one of the first people to get a hat, right? And it was kind of vague on Uniqlo. It said, you know, releasing mid-morning December 8th. So it wasn't like as soon as the website is open and, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And it was so heartbreaking because right you know, December 8th in Australia is like a day earlier than us, right? So then all of these people were posting pictures that they got it. Some people actually went to a Uniqlo store wherever they were around the world in Japan and there was a display with the new hats and everything. So they got it and they posted it on Twitter and stuff. By the time it came to us, December 8th in the US, 30 minutes and it was sold out. Well, the power of And it wasn't me. (laughs) They were out of stock in 30 minutes. Oh. I mean, hashtag 2020, the worst year ever continues. Yes.
1: <laughs> and then we don't even, I heard Indian Wells is going to get canceled, so it's not like we could even pick them up when we're there.
3: I, how how do we get these things? You know, I'm like begging Roger, <laughs> please tell Uniglo to like make triple the amount next time because they really underestimate your fan base. You yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. How could they do that? Don't they know who so they're dealing
3: frustrating. with? <laughs> we're the ones that we're the ones that got Roger to be, you know, G q man of the year. <laughs> yes. This
1: is the most passionate passionate fan base there that exists, you know.
3: Yeah, and he did He did win fan favorite, I think, again this year, ATP. And he also just won Sportsman uh, of the Year Award for Switzerland, which is super exciting. So lots of Ex- cool things the, happening. The already.
1: unexciting part about that, did you read his quote?
3: Yes, Oh, I did.
1: gosh, you guys. He said something along the lines about if if this was the last thing that happened and he was never able to play again, at least he got to go out on a high or something along those lines. Saying yeah, let me read it not- for you
3: exactly because it was really scary. Uh he said, I hope in twenty twenty one I will find the courts again. We'll see. But if my career were to end there, well it would it, well, it would be an amazing end with this award. And then I, I tweeted, What? No, don't even think about it, Roger. I know. <laughs> I heard he
1: might not even play Australia now.
3: Right. A lot a lot depends on when it's gonna happen and you know. His rehab still he's still rehabbing, so Yeah.
1: You know, I didn't want it to get delayed, but now I'm just gonna have to be okay with it. (laughs) If it means I just you know, what is going on? He's it's been a while, you know? It's not it's not making me feel very good, Philip.
3: Yeah. Well, We're heading to the end of 2020, and all I got to say is good riddance to you, sir. Yes. (laughs) Because what a horrible year for tennis uh, as well as pretty much everything else, right? I mean, I will be so glad for it to be over and move into a new year with a fresh start and hopefully a whole season of tennis. But, you know, we, we got the vaccine on the way. We're super blessed to have this miracle that happened where they created a vaccine within a year, which is insane. And, you know, here's hoping, right, that next year is going to be looking up.
1: Yes, yes.
3: Well, to make your year a little bit brighter, we have an excellent interview with Bethany Maddox-Sands to share with you. And Bethany is an American professional tennis player who is really known for having her own color, her own style, right? I mean, she's really... Uh, she wears. Crazy she has the socks, best. She's outfits. the best
1: dressed tennis player out there.
3: <laughs> there you go. There you go. She is a rebel. She she walks her own path, and and yet at the same time a true champion. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She's won nine Grand Slam titles, five in women's doubles and four in mixed doubles. And she also is a former doubles world number one. So I mean, this girl can bring it, right? Yeah. Well many of you know Bethany maybe not so much from her doubles but from that terrible viral video that happened in 2017. I think maybe the worst injury in tennis ever uh on video.
1: Oh, well it certainly was the worst reaction. I it gave me chills up my spine. I mean her screaming for help was it was horrible. Yeah, you don't normally see an, an injury like she that was in tennis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I mean, cuz nobody men- was helping. Everyone was just standing there looking at each other. I was like, "What's going on?"
3: <laughs> yeah, and you know, because it was Wimbledon, they had all the cameras from all the different angles and they showed it, right? And they showed like the the knee just giving out and twisting in this, you know, godforsaken angle. Oh, it was just awful. Uh, but of course, that gets like 1.5 million views and, you know, there's probably tons and tons of other versions of that that got a ton of views and Yeah, it was really, really tough. I mean, she was playing singles, which is kind of unusual. She was playing against uh, Christiana uh, in the second round of Wimbledon, running up to the net, right, Mm -hmm. which she's so good at. She's such an amazing net player because of her doubles. And as she was running forward, she just collapsed in agony, just clutching her right knee, shouting, shouting. You know, she was really shouting a a, a ton of swear words too. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs>
3: which which I would do too if my knee gave out like that.
1: That's exactly how I would react. I think even if I just stubbed my toe, but yeah, especially if my knee fell off.
3: <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it looked like. It looked like it just completely disengaged, and it, it was just oh, so horrific. And so she was treated on the court there, and then they rushed her to. Uh, a local hospital, but, um, they revealed that she had a dislocated kneecap, a ruptured patella ligament. And, you know, she of course had to get surgery. So horrible, horrible event that happened. It was just, wow. So, so awful.
1: Yes. But on, in brighter news, she's, she's still contributing to the tennis world, commentating, and she has that really cool, um, YouTube Channel, I think, with uh, Vasic Pospisil.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. So I, I love watching that. She is. And she's really become the face of tennis in a lot of ways when the ATP and the WTA came together during the pandemic to kind of keep tennis going and present behind the scenes. So I I think she's so great. She has so much energy and, like you said, originality. She's super unique. And she has fully recovered from her knee injury, and she's back on the court. So really great to have her come back. Well, the the interview was actually recorded by UTR, and it was released as an invitation-only live event, so it was kind of cool that it happened, and uh, they recorded it, but they really didn't make it public anywhere else, so... I felt like there was so much in it that we could learn from uh, recovery of injury, doubles play, what's it like to be on tour. I mean, they they cover so many really cool topics. So let's enjoy this great look into the life of Bethany Maddox-Sands, shall we? I can't wait. Let's listen together.
2: Can I please introduce a friend since I guess we were about, I don't know, 13 years old, (laughs) Miss... Bethany Maddox Sands, (laughs) buddy, how you doing, man?
0: We have known each other that long, haven't we?
2: Isn't that wild? Now you're you're younger than me. We don't need to go into how old I am on here, but it's it's been (laughs) it's been quite some time. Young, so it's okay. You you are any any any. And you look even younger too, which which we'll get into too, because I think people need to know how to continue to stay young over such a long career. But um, but first, first, let me let me just ask you how how are you doing? It's such a crazy time right now.
0: It's pretty wild. Obviously, everyone knows about all the cancellations that have happened, and oh, it's really unprecedented times. There's there's nothing in the ATP, WTA, ITF rule books that says, this is what we do and here's plan B. So we're all kind of in limbo right now. I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona right now. So I'm lucky to be in a place that has great weather. I can still continue my training. I have a gym set up in my garage and uh, I have access to a couple private courts where I'm the only one uh, practicing there so I've been able to continue my training but at the same time it's the, there there's got to be a little balance you know because I don't know when my next competition is you know how hard do you train how many days in a row do you go there's no reason to tire myself out now when I might not even be competing till the end of this year so you know there's a lot of questions I think but uh, for me, a big part of it has been having some daily structure, whether it's my training, whether it's my practices, whether it's fun. I, I mean, just simple things like timing up your your meals and things like that give you a little bit of your sanity back. And that's what I feel like I've been able to do. Uh, I've been staying inside. I have with me, my husband, I have Tori, actually my hitting partner who is supposed to be traveling with me in Wells, Miami, Charleston, So I'm I'm lucky I got quarantined with like two chefs. One of them can play (laughs) tennis with me. I have my dog. So, you know, I'm really learning to kind of appreciate the little things. Like for for tennis players, we are used to being on the road nonstop. And it's kind of nice to be home. I mean, obviously we'd all be working. But what, you know, what do we miss about being home when we're on the road? And that's what I'm trying to look at. That's what I'm trying to enjoy. I think it's an amazing time. To do a reset personally, career-wise, relationships. I mean, really, I've kept myself quite busy. I'm not gonna lie. I I've been um, reorganizing my house to evaluating how I'm playing. I've been watching, you know, from watching myself on video to am I am I making any changes in my fitness training? You know, how am I feeling? Like this is one of the first times, I'll be honest, in my career that I've had downtime. And I felt physically really good. So I'm taking this as a big opportunity to build on that.
2: You know, B, you're like one of the most positive people I know out there. (laughs) And you're always able to, you know, look at any kind of situation and find the positives in it. You know, I know a lot of people that are struggling with being depressed at this time, but you've literally pointed out, you know, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity in this time. So I think that's something I'd really like to touch upon as we look at your journey. Um taking it back first where did you where did you grow up playing your tennis how did the sport come to you
0: So I was born in Rochester Minnesota and that is where I got started actually my dad uh, was the one who took me out to some public courts next to the house and when I was 5 years old and just started to st- to feed me balls. He kind of picked up on the fact that I was a pretty good athlete when I was younger. But one of the things that I really appreciate uh, about my parents, especially in the early part of my career, was that they had me play multiple sports until I was about 12, 13. I was playing soccer. I was playing basketball. I was playing volleyball. I mean, tennis really wasn't taking up the majority of my time when I was really young. And at one point, I started winning some local tournaments. We ended up moving to Wisconsin, which is where my dad's family is from, and that's why I'm a Packer fan um, and not a Vikings fan. But uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't until the move down to Florida when I went to Everett Tennis Academy is when I started uh, focusing more on tennis. But I appreciate that I was able to play all these other sports and sort of find my athleticism. And I think you, you'll see that when you watch me play. Like I like to move around. I like to be aggressive. And I feel like I got that from playing a lot of other sports. So that's one of the uh, things that I appreciate about my parents sort of deciding where to, where I'm going in the early part of my career. But once I hit 12 and 13, I was down in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, I stood out the first time. I remember going down there my first summer to Florida, right? I, I'm coming from Wisconsin. I'm from Minnesota <laughs> playing after school, maybe a couple hours in the summer. I go to Everts and it's, I go in the summer, I'm going for summer camp and it's a thousand degrees, a hundred percent humidity. I'm playing six hours a day. I, I remember being in the gym. I think this is towards the end of the week. I'd gone five days in a row and I think I started crying and saying like, I don't know if I can do this, but. No, I, I mean, I found my inner strength and, you know, I know that's, we're going to get into this a little bit, but tennis has really given me a lot. Like I've discovered a lot about myself over the years. There's been ups, there's been downs, but one of the the biggest takeaways that I can give is that you have a choice in your attitude. You have a choice in how you look at things. And I, you know, I've, I've put it out there. So just to even, put myself, you know, on the line and saying like, that if I'm going to talk the talk, I got to walk the walk as well. But it's, it's, it's possible. I know you mentioned, you say I'm one of the most positive people like anyone can be. It's really, it's, it's building a habit. Like I, it's taken me a while to be this way. And if you would have known me, I mean, you did know me a while ago, but you maybe didn't see me after some of my losses. I was pretty good at hiding it, but I was actually a pretty bad loser. Like I had bad energy. I wasn't positive. I was, I was actually I beat myself up a lot, and it was very and very internal. And you know, I, I come a long way from there, and that's why the energy you see from me now is is something that I learned and something that I've practiced. Um, and I've, and ultimately, I've I, it's become my personality, and I and I and that's how I play. That's that's the Bethany you see on the court now.
2: Well, I'm hoping a lot of people can uh, gain a lot from that because you obviously had to go through the bumps and bruises to eventually develop and become this way but you know hopefully a lot of the youngsters out there can you know start trying to get that way earlier um bethany you have a little bit of a different um, sort of early junior career compared to a lot of the people we've talked to a lot of them developed at a later stage you kind of at you know 12 13 14 were work like a superstar you were always playing a- above your age group and you were just excelling at such a young age what was that like for you then? Was it difficult? Were you just kind of, you know, doing what you were told? How, how was that going?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I I wasn't super popular among like the 18 year olds that I was beating when I was <laughs> when I was twelve years old. So I wasn't I wasn't making friends, uh, that's for sure. But uh, you know, that's okay. I was I believe it or not, I was actually really shy when I was younger. So I, I know it's hard to believe, but true story. Um and you know what? Looking back on my junior career, which I have done a long time, I'm not going to lie. I did. I had some great results when I was younger. I, I won uh, the tournament in Tarbes, uh, France when I was 14. Uh, I won singles and doubles there. And that was kind of what catapulted the decision to to turn pro. And I turned pro when I was really young. I turned pro at 14. And right. I think you know, the generation that I grew up in, you know, it was the Jennifer Capriati's, the Martina Hingis's, and you had all these players that were really young turning pro. And I think, right. you know, part of it was like, do you seize the opportunity and continue to the next step? And that, you know, that's, that's the decision my parents and I, and my coaches had to make. And, you know, looking back, I, I would have loved to sort of play a little bit more national events. I, I, there was, a, a level that I skipped a little bit and you know, I think it slowed my progress in the pros down uh a bit. And I'm I'm not saying I I regret any decisions, but I think if I were giving advice to to coaches and parents and juniors, I think it's it's worth it to sort of play in your age group as well. As much as I was, you know, dominating when I was 12, I was playing 18s in Wisconsin or even in Florida. You know, the next level is, can I win your grand slam? Can I, uh, how do I feel playing against my peers? I think too many times you have these really talented kids that are always used to playing older kids. And then all of a sudden when they play someone their own age or gas younger, like what? It's like it's not. It's not about the tennis. Then not about the skill set. Now we're going into the mental and emotional realm of that. So I really think it's worth to find a balance of playing up age groups, playing kids that are younger than you. Actually, playing kids that are worse than you. Like how do you beat them? How do you close out sets? Like it's not just about playing kids that are better than you. It's it's I want. I want players to go through all the emotions. That's how you're going to find yourself as a tennis player. Uh, I, at this point in my career, all everyone is younger than me, you know? And but, you know, it, when I walk into a open or a French open that I've won before, I have that in the back of my mind. Like, so for me, if I'm playing a tough match second, what pressure am I feeling there? Like I have, I've built expectations. So I think, so much more to junior tennis that we can we can get out of it. I think managing expectations, learning about losses, playing peers, playing friends, playing people that will crush you. Like they're all it's so, it's so much more than the result and it's so much more than the skill set. Th- that's what you're going to learn throughout your years as a junior. You're going to ju- you're going to refine your grips and your game style and your move- movement patterns and and all of that, but how are you mentally and emotionally developing through all that? And, and this thing that I could say to that is put yourself in the most amount of positions as possible. And then that's where I feel like if I could go back, do it again, I would probably play a few more tournaments. Uh, and I would play a few, I would play a few more years of juniors. Uh,
2: Bethany starting so early there. Uh, it's interesting to hear you say that I completely agree. Learning to the- deal with all those different kind of pressures. It helps you develop for sure. Talk about off the court. You, I mean, the last time you were just a plain kid without these kind of responsibilities was when you were 13, <laughs> I guess. So did it, did it uh, were you ever, you know what? I just want to be a normal kid. Or did you, did you love it so much? No, you know what? A hundred percent. I look, I love tennis
0: and I knew I was pretty good. And there were times where yeah i just wanted to be a normal kid and i think it's and that's where the role of the coach and the parent i think is so important it's so crucial to help a kid maintain that balance it's really not on them when they're 12 13 14 they're they're going by what you're saying so how you react to their losses their wins the pressures the expectations they're reading a lot from you. And I think it's worth it as much as you want them to handle things a certain way. There's a lot of work that I want to see parents putting into themselves and how they communicate and how the, the, what role they're playing. Are, are you, do you want to be the coach or do you want to be a parent? Like if you're going to be both, you have to find a balance. And I think that's where I see a lot of uh, juniors struggling to sort of take it to the next step because they don't enjoy it any longer. Like I grew up with a lot of great players. Like I had a lot of Americans next to me that competed well with me and it wasn't just injury that took them out. They started not liking tennis. They started right. not liking the sport. Look, look guys, parents, coaches, like, like tennis isn't already an individual sport. It's and and doubles court. Yeah. you okay. You have a buddy, you play with a friend. I think it's great. That's one of the biggest reasons why I think everyone should play doubles. It's much more social. There's a different interaction. You have someone going through everything with you. I think, I think it's great to build both singles and double skills, but singles you're out there by yourself. I mean, are kids getting stronger because of this? Yes. Are they getting some of these deep emotions that they don't know how to deal with as well? They are, and I, I can tell you from my experience that feeling those pressures as a kid and as a shy kid, I you know I didn't almost feel comfortable telling my coaches about it because I know what the expectations were. So for me to be like, "Hey, I'm kind of worried about this," didn't seem it seemed irrelevant to talk about that, and so I just didn't. So I kept a lot of things bottled up, and that's why when I talk about Becoming a better loser—it it took me years, yeah. like, to, to figure that out, and I'm, I'm proud of it. Like, I'm proud of digging into my own sort of personal journey and figuring out at what point I, I shifted, at what point I needed to change my habits. Yeah. But I think if parents want to get a jump start on it, and coaches, they really can, and it and it really comes down to balance. Like these kids, as talented, as successful, as much potential as you think they have they are still kids they are still people they and it's it's so important for the longevity for your relationships i mean all of these things are so key in the next step and and again if we're talking about someone who's 10 11 12 you still have years to go before you're potentially playing professional tennis like you you got to love it for a long time otherwise it's it, it will break you like you get into the pro circuit and cross, you know, it's a grind. Like you're going from January to November. If you don't have some good results, like you're just going week to week. Sometimes you're playing tournaments in places you really don't want to be at. Nobody's there with you. You don't have a coach. So how are you handling all these? And there's, there's too many times where I see that emotional side and that mental side being the reason why players stop playing tennis. Tennis is an amazing game. Anyone can play at any level from when you're a kid to when you're way as an adult. And I think I think having that balance and starting starting it as a kid is super important.
2: That's that's beautiful. You always you see that great ad where they talk about tennis as a sport for a lifetime. So the way you're talking about it, you know, parents should really look at that lifetime development. Uh, you know, even when even when it's uh, they're, they're a kid, that's um, that's a beautiful lesson. I, I hope everyone out there's taking taking Hundred percent.
0: You guys better be listening to me here. I'm, I'm asking <laughs> some questions about this.
2: Good, good. This is important.
0: Good, good Listen, this is a, I'm dead serious. Like I talk a lot about strategy, about how I prepare for matches, but this is really a big. This is an important topic. It's a big issue, yeah. and it's something that goes beyond tennis really it goes beyond this is these are life skills we're taking into and at at the end of the day if you can create this balance the tennis player the the, that side of the of your child of the kid is going to come out and and you're going to maximize that potential so it's it's i think it's really it's such an important topic
2: i i i completely agree um uh, be shifting shifting back to on court you're maybe one of the handful of players over the last 15 years who I think has shown such you know, great skill level and quite frankly passion too in singles and doubles. Um, is that something that started young and you just never let it go? It was always important for you to develop both?
0: Well, it's funny because when I think about how I learned tennis when I was really young, the first stroke that I learned were my volleys so and and if I look at video of me when I was a kid that's probably the one stroke that I've never changed my entire career I've had the same pretty much the same form. obviously when I was little I kind of had more of a two-handed backhand volley but actually I still pull that out I'm pretty sure I pulled a two-handed backhand volley out a few times in the finals of my U.S. Open just now but it's you know I I think the on-court you know, they, I look, there's just so many, there's so many ways like we, we can take this. And I, I just think, you know, the development at a young age, technically it is important, but I think it's more important to kind of let everyone be themselves, let their personalities shine. And for me, volleys going to net playing aggressive, it came really naturally. That's like how I wanted to play as a seven-year-old. I remember a couple of coaches trying to coach me. Actually, I've been talking about Chrissy ever. Chrissy, Chrissy was <laughs> would give me a hard time. She's like, Benny like you gotta hit a few more balls cross-court. And I was like, but I really like going down the line and coming to the net. And you know, whatever. I like, look, I found some balance. I do I appreciate my cross-court rallies now. But um, you know, part of part of my passion came from sticking to the game that I started with and that I felt was mine. And I think that's so important to, to figure out what a, a kid, what a player, how they like to play, how they like to move, what's their mentality. Because the more natural they can stay, the better they're going to perform under pressure because it's natural to them. They're not forcing anything. And so for me, playing singles and doubles was was pretty easy. I played a lot of doubles when I was younger and I'm, I'm really glad I did. I, I think that's probably one of the main social events that i had uh just because (laughs) i i was pretty shy but when you're playing doubles you know you're i you're you're talking with it you're figuring it out with another partner and i think even in juniors i know it's not common to always play with the same player for a lot of tournaments like you're playing with a lot of different players sometimes you're playing with someone you don't really know i think it's (laughs) there's so many benefits to playing playing dubs you're figuring out different game styles you're figuring out mentalities you're talking out loud about strategy. Um, another big takeaway for me, and if if you've watched me play doubles, you know, this is knowing what kind of words and attitude and mentality affect your partner. Too many times there's things that we, there's things that we would say to ourselves that we would never say to our partner because we know it wouldn't help them. Like we know, ah, that's too mean, or I know she's trying and that wouldn't get her to play better or that wouldn't give me the end result. So I'm not going to say it that way. And yet here we are inside our own minds, beating ourselves up. So I think, I've always been a big fan of doubles. Obviously, I have a lot of great results in doubles, but I think they're two different sports. I think there's different strategies in both. I think think there's a different communication in both. And I think it's worth playing both from the time you're a junior and into the pros.
2: I think it'll help everyone out there. If anything, you hear the passion in your voice. You figure out what you love, how you want to play. Not to mention, you can have tremendous success in both but just focusing on the doubles for a minute bethany because we don't really get a really chance to dissect it people talk about singles quite a bit and doubles is such a not only is it such a fun game to watch that's what's played mostly right around all the clubs and you know in the states and all around the world so can i just ask you at such a high level what are like what are the main things you think are the key things you know a a player should focus on you know when they're on the doubles court when they're
0: on are we about during practice or do you want to know during the match
2: no let's talk about oh, no. a, skill, a skill set yeah as as a doubles player
0: so well I, here's the thing i think doubles it comes down to communication and chemistry like that's there's a reason why i play with a lot of my friends because yeah. we we have this open communication my part when i was doing really well with lucy we weren't all we didn't always start out on fire like we had a couple first rounds that we had to grind through We sometimes weren't even the best team out there. I remember playing the finals of US Open. We were down a set and a break, almost all down and out to Garcia Maldonavich, another amazing doubles pair. And I remember sitting down um, on a changeover with Lucy and we both kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what? Uh, If we're going to lose this, we're going to go out playing our way. So here's what I'm going to do at net. Here's how you're going to set me up and let's go do this. We ended up breaking coming back and at the end of the day the other team was actually playing better than us they were beating us and the reason we were able to come back is because we came together as a team there was a communication there was this trust this understanding that even through mistakes ups and downs like we both know what they were there for we both can get on track in a second we both can build each other up and and that if we're talking about a skill set to have for doubles I think that's one of the biggest ones i think you learn a lot about yourself about those emotions that come out and then what what gets you get that win because again it's not always the best player the same could be said for singles like when you figure out a way to win like you maybe weren't the best player for the first set and a half and you figured out a way to win so i think doubles you do the same thing it's communication um and if we're talking a little bit more tennis strategy I think it's important to, to test out your movement, to take risks, to take chances, especially when you're a junior, like I want to see some juniors get burned down the line because they, they right. look to poach too early. That's how you're going to figure it out. I like doing volley, volley drills. Cause a lot of times what I hear from, from kids is they're scared to get hit. Like, look, get your racket in front and let's practice. Let's do some volley, volley drills most of the time you'll find you're going to be able to get your racket up in time, or you're going to be able to turn. It doesn't, the ball doesn't hurt that bad, (laughs) but, um, but it's, I I think it's sort of testing all the waters out. I want you, I want you to play as an aggressive player. I want you to play at net. I want you to serve and volley. How does it feel? How does it set up? Maybe it's not your game, but I want to encourage sort of this curiosity and this willing to willingness to take risks. And I think on the doubles court, you're able to do that a little bit more because you have someone backing you up. I want to see some juniors calling some play calls. I want to say, all right, second serve, I'm going to go cross court. We're going to switch and see what happens. All right, second serve, I'm going down the line. Next ball is coming to you. I'm coming in and let's see how it works. Like You get to have a partner to kind of work through this with. Take advantage of that. So I think I think really learning to take some risks and test out different strategies, doubles gives you such a great opportunity to do that.
2: So I think w- w- probably my favorite thing about this chat so far is every time I ask you a question, you're kind of relaying it. So it's it's a tennis answer, but it's also a life answer. You know, it, I think you've, you... You notice uh, that, huh? Well, you, you put everything <laughs> together. And by the way, one of my favorite reasons that I follow you on Instagram, so I hope everyone else <laughs> is doing the same thing. You know, you're able to relate it all. And you know what? Quite frankly, sport is a metaphor for life. And, you know, the life lessons you learn, it translates to sport. And what you learn here, hopefully... It translates there. So, along those terms, I'm going to ask you what I think is maybe one of the best efforts we've seen emotionally and physically in sport in in some time. At Wimbledon, not too long ago, you had about as gruesome an injury as you can you can possibly have, and you know all of us on the men's side, women's side, we were all just wincing when it happened. You would you would think that you know what? That's it. She's never playing the sport again. I know it couldn't have been easy to stay positive. And I mean, look, whether it's a big thing like that or a small thing, we're all going to get knocked down. How did you, you know, how did you get out of it and, and the manner in which you did it?
0: (laughs) Well, there's a, there's a couple things. I definitely went through an array of emotions, obviously in the moment, you know, I didn't know what happened. I just knew something really bad happened and um, I wasn't able to walk off the court. So, at, you know, after that, I, um, I had already been on a, a little bit of this internal personal journey. And it's funny because I had posted something to Instagram a few days before about choosing your attitude, no matter what your circumstances were. Right. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so that, like, two, days ago, I, two days ago, I was like number one seed at Wimbledon, number one in the world, gold medalist. Like it's easy to be positive then, right? So I had to like eat my own war. I had to do a mirror test. Be like, Bethany, did you believe what you just said on wow. Instagram or, wow. are, like, or are you going to just hide? And so part of the reason why I shared my journey back was a little selfish because I wanted to own up to how I was going to, if I was going to tell people to be positive, I'm damn sure better, better stick to it. And I think, you know, one of the, my biggest win, let me tell you, my biggest win, a a lot of people think it's coming back, which, and winning U S open. Um, and the, the next year, my biggest win was actually the day after it happened, I was still in the hospital and Lucy came to visit me and Sean T I had a few other friends come to the hospital and we actually did this little choreo graphic dance to a uh, Beyonce song. Obviously I couldn't stand. So it was all like hand motions. If, seen, if you saw Lucy I, and I win I, in I, Australian I open, we did the dance on the court. So <laughs> now we just, we did a little paraphrased one uh, with our hands. And to me, that was my biggest win of my career and of my life so far, because I, in that moment, I asked myself, if you're, if you weren't injured right now, how would you be interacting with your friends? How would you be interacting with your coach? with Justin, with, the, with Lucy, with your partner. And I said, I'd be having a really good time. And I'd be laughing a lot. And I challenged myself to do that despite my circumstances. Well, Too many times, I think we also, we, we kind of rely on the fact that, hey, time heals all wounds. And maybe it does, but I challenged myself to take that a step further. If I was gonna be okay with it in six months, why couldn't I be okay with it in three weeks? Yes. Okay. So if I could be okay with it in three weeks, why couldn't I be okay with it in two days? Now, the closer I'm getting, I'm like, no, I kind of want to be mad. I kind of want to be pissed. I'd be justified. Like no one would have been upset with me if I holed up or if I was negative or if you saw me crying or I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like I was justified, but that's not, that's not who I wanted to be. So I kept going backwards. All right, Bethany, like if time heals all wounds, you'd be okay in six months you'd probably be okay in three weeks. Uh, you'd be like, you'd, you'd have a better idea. You'd feel a little bit better in a couple of days. Can you do it in an hour? Ooh, sure. like now, and I've done the same thing after, after losses too, not quite as dramatic, but it's the same thing. Like, all right, how long do you want to be pissed about? Cause it's your choice and it's okay. If you want it, then go for it. And I had to like, own oh, no, be like, nah, it's that's a, that's a waste of energy. That's not the person I want to be. And it, in the end, it's not going to get me the results that I want anyways. And, you know, maybe this comes from experience. Maybe this becomes because, you know, I have had some injuries before where I thought it was the end of 2008 hip surgery, left hip surgery. thought it was the end of my career. This is 2008. This is before I won anything. Yeah. And I was, I remember I spent three months not talking to anyone, working hard, kind of being mad at my situation. And looking back, I achieved way more post-2008 than I did pre-2008. So what was I stressed about? Did that help me get those results? Definitely not. I got them despite it. So I've made the decision to give myself, give myself space for my emotions and my reactions, but then ultimately decide which one I want to choose. And so that little dance that I did after my injury at Wimbledon, I will say to this day, I, the, the biggest win of my career.
2: So it's, it's, as you say on Instagram, it's all absolutely a choice. And I think that's something all the kids out there, and you know what, all the parents, coaches can learn too. We're not victims of circumstance. You can make a choice to be positive, be happy. That's absolutely beautiful. Now, now, since you talked about that tough time, we got to just get to get to the good times after that. When you came (laughs) back, was it, did you feel, did you feel even stronger? I mean, I know there was a physical component, but you had a completely different perspective having gone through that. So how was the Bethany Matic after that on the tour who won slams compared to the Bethany Matic before that, who also won slams?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's interesting because I think I went through a phase where I had this really great mentality of enjoying the process through my rehab, through my training. And I noticed once I got back to competition, all of a sudden my expectations went here and I was like, damn, like that's not, that's, that's not w- even what I've been practicing these last few months that I've like gradually worked up, been, like gone from walking to running, to sprinting, to practicing 30 minutes, to practicing two hours, to playing points. All of a sudden I get to a match and I'm like, I want to win it all. And, and I, I'm not saying that that, bad that competitive fire is bad. I'm just saying, when you're enjoying the process, you don't lose that competitive fire. Too many times I feel like players opt not to enjoy things or enjoy the process or look at things that way because they're actually scared that they're going to be a little less competitive, that they're, they're not going to care as much. It's like being mad or being upset about losses or things not going our way shows that we care. I'm going to say a big BS on that. It doesn't. That, like It doesn't have to be that way. And uh, that was something I worked through when I was younger because I definitely I definitely showed it in that, in that way. So when I got back to playing, I noticed that my expectations all of a sudden went up. Mm. And I had to take a moment and say like, you're still building, Bethany. Like you're still, this is still like another step in the process. And I'm not saying you can't win. I'm just saying like, here's where you're at here's what happened. What's the next adjustment. So it's still, I I definitely had a moment coming back to competition where I I got a little frustrated in a sense. And because the expectations went up, but I remember getting my first win in Houston, uh, my first doubles win. And it was super, it was super emotional. I mean, that was as much as I didn't think it was going to be a big moment. Like I was really emotional. I, I, I won that first round doubles match. And I remember Justin hugging me at the end. I was crying. I was like, I actually might cry now. Um, and it, you know, that was a that was a big that was a big step. But it wasn't it, it wasn't the only noticeable step. All the little steps that I made to that point meant just as much. So I like celebrating each of those steps just as much. I, I don't think we should just celebrate when we're holding the trophy or when we make the quarterfinals or whatever our big goal was, like we got to set these small goals and these small steps and be excited about it. Because if you're on the right path, going to where you want to go, you'll, you'll get there. You don't, you don't have to keep stressing about it. Like just stay, just stay on the path and, and enjoy it. And that's, um, And that's one of the things that I think, again, experience helped me when I did come back from that injury. Obviously, I did work my way back up. I won. I ended up winning mixed double US Open with Jamie Murray. And it was, it was massive. And I was able to give a pretty cool speech at the end, um, talking about seeing happiness and, and choosing your attitude, because that's really how I was able to get back up there, along with a lot of support from my team. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I did not, this is not me by myself, even though. I want to personally empower kids and I want to personally empower adults because there's so much that we get to decide and that we get to work on. I did have an amazing team that helped me with my energy and was there for me, but it's a balance. Like I, I, if I can say anything, it's really to empower the individual on how much say you have in your, practices in your journey in your training in your reactions in your attitude like take responsibility for it really it's it sounds a little scary but once you get it it's really empowering
2: um i i'm literally on the same page with everything you've just said i i love (laughs) i love listening to you i get you know so inspired i think it's something that we need especially at this time when we all feel like we're in a bit of quicksand you know with the whole quarantine and, and lockdown and trying to be safe and do what we need to do so thank you for that Bethany um, can I just ask you as we're as we before we go to the Q&A section if you look back and could have talked to a younger Bethany I know you've made great progressions and evolutions but what would you what would you go back and tell a young Bethany advice
0: so actually believe it or not one of my my mental uh, sessions that I do go is 30 how old should I be right now? Thirty years old? No, I'm thirty-five. Thirty-five-year-old Bethany. Look at twenty-five,
2: back. though. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, I feel twenty-five. Thirty-five-year-old <laughs> um, Bethany going back and chatting with seven-year-old Bethany or ten-year-old mm. Bethany. Like I've done this, I've done that exercise because in a re- in a real sense, you have your own back. Like you're going back and you're sort of giving this this internal child, which we all kind of carry with us. Like 7 year old Bethany comes out every once in a while, let's be real, 14 year old Bethany comes out. There's some situations where I had a certain loss that I reacted a certain way when I was 10 years old and that came out when I was 32. And so it's like, you know what? It's important to have the adult version of yourself, go have a chat with your younger self. Like what did your younger self really want in that moment? And in all honesty, it's usually really basic stuff. So this is why it circles back to how we started this conversation. They just want love, attention, affection. It's something really simple that they're frustrated with or they didn't feel like they were getting. And 35-year-old Bethany goes back and like, but you're gonna be loved, you're awesome. Like, look at all these things you're gonna do. And it's a it's a great emotional and mental exercise to kind of have sit back Relax and have conversations with yourself because you're really doing a lot of personal diving into why you maybe have reactions that you don't want. For example, if you want have a you want to break your racket after a certain miss because it just really bothers you, you know, you intellectually you know you shouldn't do that, but why is that reaction there? So these sessions, me going back and talking to my younger self, actually have really helped shift some of these hats really quickly. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I would tell my younger self or that I have told my younger self is that everything works out. Like you're, you're on this path. You're going to meet some amazing people. Yeah, sure. There's going to be tough times, but honestly, like, it's okay. Like I'll, I'm sure there'll be some challenges ahead of me from 35 to 50 and it's okay. Like, we're going to figure this out. Like you have everything you need right now. Like you have the ability to, what do you enjoy about this? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? And there's times where it's like, I just want to go have some ice cream. That's what seven-year-old Bethany wanted. She didn't want to talk about tennis. She wanted to go get ice cream. And it's like, it's really, I think it's a form of self-love. Like you're really accepting yourself at all different moments in your life. Like, I don't think it's worth it to say like, hey, I, I had the wrong idea or the wrong opinion when I was 12 or when I was 17 or when I was 22 and now I'm so much better. No, you need it. you need all the stages. You need all the stages. You can accept them, and you can accept that you don't need any more any longer because you know something different now. But all stages are acceptable. And I think was whenever I have conversations with my younger self, that's that's the main um, idea and emotion that I
2: I, I put across. Beautiful. Um, I am going to take the questions out not from my head anymore, and I'm going to turn them over. To the audience, Bethany, we have a few that what? Well, not a few. We have a ton that were sent in from uh, anticipation of this webinar with you. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you a couple of those, and then I'll turn it into the into the live chat here. But um, oh, <laughs> here's the one. I'm not sure if you can do this now, but maybe something for you to think about. Randall is asking: Is there any way you could share a workout playlist with us on Instagram? <laughs>
0: <laughs> has he been following my Instagram workouts because I'm posting like a song here and there. Actually I do. I have a Spotify playlist and it's organized based on workouts uh, based on I have my chill mixes, my work workout mix and my bike list. So I'll, I'll share with everyone. I think it's under my name, Bethany Maddock. like find me on Spotify.
2: Randall that's a, uh, that's a pretty solid answer there, buddy. I hope you <laughs> Enjoy that. Um, Okay. Here's an interesting one. Michael is sending in, if a player wants to pursue a career playing only professional doubles, what would you advise?
0: Say that one more time. If they're trying to pursue only doubles.
2: Yes. What what would you advise?
0: What would I advise? I, I would definitely advise figuring out what sort of partner you're going to play the best with. And I talked a little bit before about chemistry and relationships. I think that's really important. That's really key. But I think it's also also worth recognizing what style you play well with. For example, when Lucy and I played together, I was an animal at the net, and she was my check wall at the baseline. We took advantage of her lefty serve a lot. So a lot of our plays, I would be set up at eye formation at the net. She would be swinging the ball body or wide and set me up for a volley. So I think p- besides the relationship chemistry, it is worth thinking about what your strengths are. Like, what are your best positions on the court? Like who, and, I, and it's just, it's a little bit deeper than just who has a better forehand, who has a better backhand. Like what parts of the court are your strongest ones? Like for me, Lucy and I figured out when I was at net and she was in a down the line rally on her, on the backhand side on her back and side she's lefty that was like one of our strongest positions because i had the forehand volley in the middle and she could just rally all day with anybody down the line so when we played points we'd figure out how to get in that position a lot of times so i think it's worth going into a little bit more detail um about who you are like how you play doubles and then figuring out who you would play best with personality wise and game
2: very nice um this is this is an interesting one i 'm sure you better deal with this as a junior. I certainly know I did too. Grace uh, is asking, how do you deal with adversity on the tennis court most specifically when someone is cheating
0: yikes i know i haven't uh Luckily I haven't had to call my own lines or play (laughs) anyone that's calling their own lines for a long time. I don't know. I've had some practice partners that have been a little shady, (laughs) but, uh, that's okay. It's practice. Um, you know what, that's, it's a, it's an interesting question because you know, so much of tennis is the performance result, the expectation that's what we all put emphasis on. And When you're playing someone that is cheating, it's tough because it's out of your control. Maybe you know you're playing well, you know you hit that winner, it should have been game and you didn't get it. So I think a lot of frustrations comes out of the fact that it's not fair and we really can't control it. And I would just really encourage everyone to take a personal responsibility- like you're there to get better. I, we always all don't get me wrong. Like I, I want to hold trophy. I want to win. That it's what it's about. But you can't you can't control that on the other side. You can control what you can control. Make your calls appropriate. Like call if it's if it's out, that's fine. If it's out, if it's in, call it in. And if, like really, that's how you're gonna get in better. That's how you're gonna improve. Hopefully at some point, if everyone was thinking this way, we're gonna have some amazing tennis with great line calls. Um, there's times where stress, just think about it this way. Stress also kind of brings the worst in people sometimes, which should learn, actually, they should learn about like, what, like what, how do I react when I'm under stress? And sometimes people really do see the ball in or out, like really see it. And you, you couldn't convince them otherwise. So I think rather than get too caught up in the call or what's happening over there, keep it focused on yourself. Like keep You play the game how you want to play it. If somebody's really like it's getting in the way, obviously you know you can get an hopefully you can get an umpire or someone to call from the side. And if you can't, maybe figure out a way. All right, what I'm going to play way inside the lines today, and I'm just going to work on this for today because that's what I have. But and I really want to encourage players to not get not go that route. It's it's not ultimately you're not going to gain anything by by calling close lines, everybody, and everybody knows, like if balls in, you call it, like, you know, we all know. So it's not, you know, I, I just think it's, it's nothing to get too worked up about.
2: Um, always staying positive. That's, that's Bethany. Uh, Bethany, I'm going <laughs> to give you, a, I'm going to give you a couple more and then I'm going to turn it over to you. So the audience can have a little bit of a chance to do uh, some live questions with you. Um, I think this is an interesting one. Jeffrey, I am not mad at you. Jeffrey is asking, Bethany, have you ever considered an acting career? If so, I will write a movie for you.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, You know what's funny is I actually have. No, I really enjoy... No, I enjoy being on TV. I I enjoy... You're great. You're great on
2: camera. Yeah, you're great.
0: Like, I love it. And actually, I would love to be in a movie. I seriously would. In what capacity? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I need to take some acting lessons. (laughs) I've I've taken some improv lessons. I feel like that's such an amazing skill to have, to be able to just sort of come out of the air with great comebacks and everything. So yes, to answer that question, it is on my mind. If you want to write a movie and we can win an Oscar, like I'm in, like done.
2: (laughs) Okay. The last one I'm going to give you before I turn it over to you is Blake is asking you, is there a phrase that you repeat to yourself the most that helps you play, helps you play your best?
0: Hmm, a phrase that I repeat to myself um, the most. I, You know what? I, There are phrases that I do repeat to myself. I feel like they shift a little bit. It depends on where I'm at, what I'm working on, cues are happening to you. I call them cues. So for a certain time, it like, let's just say I'm a certain, it's putting the toss in a certain position. Other times it was, ones coming up together. I like little cues that are as simple as possible that get me the best result. I don't like a lot of, a lot of coaching. I don't like big sentences because I feel like once I start thinking a little bit too much like that, I'm losing the flow of my reactions on the court. So if I'm saying anything to myself, technically or strategically, it's usually pretty short. Usually I'm looking to see what's working that day uh, because it changes. One day my serve out wide, my kick serve could be working amazing against a certain player. And the next day, no, nah, it's slice body. And so it's, it's recognizing sort of in real time, which cues you want to bring up. But in practice, I do. I do have my cues for if I feel like, Uh, I'm late on my split step, or if I need to prep earlier. And, and that's what I work on in practice. Once the match hits, technical cues almost go a little bit to the wayside. Like you're really sticking to strategy. So a lot of it is just evaluating what's happening in real time.
2: Um, Wonderful. Now, listen, Bethany, I'm going to leave it to you uh, to jump into the chat a little bit and uh, dive in. I'm seeing a million questions being thrown in your way so uh, i'll right. i'll let you have at it for a few
0: all right let's see here uh, i'm just going from the bottom well, bottom of who have you had the most fun playing doubles with ah uh, i'm not going to choose that's like choosing a frit child or pet like you can't do that i um i've really had a lot of fun with all my partners i mean i've i've probably given every single team a team name uh whether they liked it or not and to me, it's you know, I found some of my best friends with the players that I've played doubles with, whether it was with Mike, Brian, Bob, Brian, Jamie Murray. My first slam was with Horia Takao, who's still one of my really good friends, Lucy Safarova. I've been playing with Kennan. Last year at Wimbledon, I played with Danielle Collins. So I, I really I've really enjoyed getting to know a lot of people on the court. I I honestly a better question is the last partner I didn't have fun with, which is I don't remember because I've I've had a lot of fun. So that that's probably an easier answer. Um all right, let's hear. Let's hear. You just a great person. So much fun to watch play. You're a true inspiration. Thanks, Clark. Sweetheart. Um do I have any pre-match rituals? So I definitely have my warm-up routine, but honestly, if you hung out with me right before I went on a match it's pretty calm. It's casual. I like, I like to joke around with my team. I, you know, it's a, to have a warm up and to physically feel good. But for me, I want to be in the best mental space possible. Sometimes that requires me being by myself, zoning and visualizing a little bit. But other times I, I want to be joking around with my coach or my hitting partner and making me laugh. Like, I think, I think it's all a matter of how you feel and I want to be in the best state of mind for my matches. So that's, that's my pre-match ritual. How, how can I be laughing and enjoying and feeling good, nice and light? Uh, all right. What did you do? Travel around the, okay. Do you like traveling around the world? If so, what's your favorite place? Oof. Um, (laughs) Damn! Really, <laughs> uh, I really like. I love traveling. First of all, I think some of the coolest places. One of the coolest places I've been to is New Zealand. If you're making me pick, pick favorites here, uh, the whole country. I've spent a lot of time there. I Actually, was early this last off season. Spent a couple weeks training there. I just think it's it's beautiful there. Food's amazing. Scenery's amazing. The Kiwis love their adventure so I love going there but I mean I love the big cities too you know Hong Kong was always a special place shopping there the food was amazing been to Malaysia Thailand uh, Paris I mean it's just you get an experience I feel like in in every in every city but if I had to pick one place uh, I'm gonna go with New Zealand all right so let's see here It is about self learning Alex this is from you bad calls happen for the pros too accurate it's not just <laughs> it's just not it's not just your junior opponent making calls sometimes the refs do miss calls i'll put that out there thank god we kind of have some we have some challenges but even then all right let's see here Those sacred two minutes between sets during a match, what are two to three things you've learned over the years that have helped you the most to reset and stay focused and hungry to win? This is from Nate. I think that's actually a really good question because um, I'm going to maybe answer this in a different way than most people because I like to, my reset doesn't involve getting more serious or thinking about what I was doing. I, I need to take a moment in between sets to relax, I'll, a lot of times you'll I'll have food, um, I'll work, I'll focus on my breathing. But for me, and this is one of the reasons why I like playing doubles, is because you have a partner that you can joke around with. You can topics a little bit. So when you see me interacting with my doubles partner, my mixed partner, or my women's doubles partner, we are talking a little bit about strategy. But for the most part, we're just kind of rolling with what our our emotions are. We're we're talking about dinner that night, and it's just. It's not a distraction, it's just to it actually helps you stay more focused. You kind of like let some steam off, and then it's like, all right, what do we do in this point? Okay, you serve tea, I'm gonna cross. Great. So I think there's definitely a balance. Um, I think people tend to think they need to be so focused to win, and that's the only way. And I want to encourage sort of this more relaxed reset to then go into a focus. You need you need a balance, guys. Balance. These are some good questions out here. Prakash, are you, are you even still there? No, you're not. I just, I just see your like frozen face and it's a very judgmental face that, uh, I have on my screen. <laughs> Let's see here. Bethany, oh, this is Thomas Leach from just I to talk about your childhood, but can I ask you about your training program was like when you were nine or 10 years old? Honestly, nine or so that was the, that was before uh, I went to Everett Tennis Academy. So I was still up in Wisconsin when I was that age, and I was still going to school. I would practice a little bit before school uh, and a little bit after school, but there was nothing nothing too crazy. I was still on my middle school basketball teams, volleyball teams. So you know, in a sense, I was I was training because I was playing other sports, and I think that's such a great way um, to, to work on fitness when you're a kid is to play other sports. Like it's still, it's still fun. It could be competitive, you know, soccer, you're working on footwork, volleyball, it's, it's teamwork. I mean, there's, I was, I was running track and field. So, um, so nine and 10, it was really about, about having fun, playing a little bit of tennis and then, uh, staying, staying fit by playing other sports. All right. How fast do you adjust with your new doubles partners? I'm a junior tennis player. And a lot of times we have to play with the given partner at tournaments. All right. That's a, that's a pretty good question. Um, because you know, there's, you look at the pros and you can see a lot of teams stick together and they play with the same partner for the whole year. And sometimes in juniors, a lot of times in juniors, uh, that's not possible. And I think that's okay. I think it's good to play with a bunch of different people. I think you start to figure out what personalities you mesh with. I think you work on your communication because everyone has different styles. Some people roll on the court with more energy. Other people want to stay more calm. Other people get a little bit too low and you just recognize where, where that balance is. But I think it's also, um, it's also beneficial to figure out what styles of play that you like to play with, and when you switch partners a lot, you get a chance. Like maybe you play with a baseliner one week, maybe you play with a lefty another week. Then you play with someone who's serving volleys. You know, then you play with someone who's super aggressive, and you play with someone who doesn't want to take any risk. You know, which ones do you like playing with? Which ones do you do you do well with? So I think switching partners actually is is there's a lot of benefit to it. You know, obviously once you get to the pro and you find you find your guy or girl that you like playing with, like you, you keep up with it. But I think for juniors, like test, test out a lot of different styles, have some fun with it. All right. Liking this. Okay. Okay. You, all right, here we go. Were you rebellious as a teenager or were you driven and diligent about practicing and performing? (laughs) Well, uh, I feel like I've always been a little bit rebellious. Um, so I don't think that, um, really necessarily gets in the way of, of training and, and performing. I think as a teenager, I knew what I wanted. I knew what my goals were, So that helped me, if you want to, for lack of a better term, stay in line. And I did, um, you know, if anything, I actually think as a teenager, I was too serious. I think I had to lighten up a little bit. I I think, you know, I grew up sort of with this mentality, like if you had fun, you weren't going to be successful. And that's why I transitioned a lot to the Bethany, the tennis player that you see now in the court where I can laugh and I can enjoy and still be
2: competitive.
0: Um so it took me kind of going through a few serious years of in my in my teens, especially my late teens, I would say early 20s, I was pretty serious and then figuring out that that really wasn't my personality. That was just something I kind of learned and you know, maybe someone along the line told me that, you know, it's hey, if you don't you got to be serious if you care and if you want to be number 1, you just that's all you got to think about. And I, I'm not you know, putting a lack of importance on focus. I'm just saying we can have fun with it. You can, you can really enjoy some of those three hour practices. You can enjoy uh, playing matches, competing, and, um, and still be all you could be. So good questions, guys. I'm liking this. Oh, we got like 37 new messages. Wow. Hold on. Got a click. All right. How difficult is it to have close friendships with other women on the tour? Ah, you know what? I'm pretty outgoing. I'm pretty social. So I tend to talk to almost everybody. So I feel like I've actually found some of my best friends um, on tour throughout the years. And, you know, a lot of them have been my doubles partners. And, you know, it's, I, I, I try to choose. I, I like to socialize like I think I actually grew up uh like I said, a little bit shy, so for me uh building the relationships on the tour, like these girls know what I'm going through, like they are there with me through thick and thin, they've all been through injuries, they've all been through wins and losses, so really I found some of my best friends on tour, so it's like to answer that question it it hasn't been difficult,
2: Anthony, I missed you, so i I popped back on,
0: oh yeah, yeah. I have to say like the face that you got frozen on was like this really judgmental <laughs> face. It kept like creeping me out. Like I'm answering these questions and all I see is your face like. <laughs>
2: that's that's, oh, literally, that's uh, literally the last expression I'm going to have looking at you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I
0: like, oh,
2: okay. That's hilarious. Uh, so, do got, we, we got a, some
0: good questions.
2: Uh, good, good guys. So uh, uh Natalia Rodriguez has come in with a bunch, But, you know, I, I could not not notice it when I signed on. One of the things she said was she was just, you know, this has been the most quality hour. Like, thank you so much for the inspiration. And I think that's Aww. absolutely Thanks, what, you've, what you've brought to the table. Uh, just a couple more things I just wanted to ask before we wrap up. You've really kind of, especially in the last couple of years, really used the platform that you've, you know, grown over all these years, especially on social media to... <laughs> Really kind of put yourself out there in an like honest, genuine way and, and kind of bring all of what you told me you've kind of developed over these years to everyone else. Has that been a conscious decision? Is that something that you know really means a lot to you?
0: Yeah, def- look, definitely. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm super active on social media. Like, I want to tell my story. If you follow me on social media like you're getting me, I haven't handed my password to anyone Like if I'm commenting, it's, it's, it's from me because I want to have that connection with my fans, with my followers. I think, don't get me wrong. I love winning titles and I love standing on the podium, holding my gold medal, but truly I I get so much happiness out of the impact that I've had with my fans. Even while I was injured, like some of your emails and messages and letters, like I've I've read them and they, they help me get through some time. So you guys give me just as much energy as hopefully I'm, I'm giving you. And I think that's where, you know, this, my, my tennis career goes a little outside myself a little bit. Like again, tennis has given me a lot and I want to share it with you. I want to share the lessons I've learned. I want to share, my my approach i want you guys to feel my energy because that's what this is all about like this is all like i live my life based on energy the energy i want to get back is the energy i want to give out and i want i want people to feel that way so it's really it has been um it has been a thought for me to to go about my social media or my tv work or even when i interact with fans in person after matches signing autographs like to me it's meaningful. Like I want you guys to feel like you're a part of the journey. I want you guys to get excited about following my results and not just about my results. I want you guys to like, I'll be open about my loss and how I, how I feel like this is more than just checking to see if your favorite player, you know, won or lost. Like I want you guys to be on the journey with me. I hope, hopefully you can pick up some tips and learn some things, but that's, I've really made a conscious effort to sort of, Give my authentic self whenever I have the opportunity to.
2: Well, we've all been certainly fortunate enough to experience that, especially over all these years. Bethany, what can we expect from from the future for for Bethany Maddox Sands?
0: The future, <laughs> we need we need the <laughs> the, the ball here. The, um, well, I'm not retiring yet, so 20. Yes. No matter when ten, tennis starts, if it if it, if it, it takes till 2021. <laughs> I will still be playing. Um, I didn't feel like this was the end. Uh, I definitely feel like I have a, I have some singles left in me. Uh, nice. I was playing some good matches at the end of last year, yep. um, so definitely putting a focus on that. But I'll be playing some more doubles. Uh, Olympics is on for next year. That's that's a goal. But again, I'm I'm going to be posting about my journey and how, how I'm working my way through this downtime and what I'm up to. And uh, let's let's see where this goes. Let's see what opportunities come out of this. I think um, you know there's a lot of silver lining in this moment, and I'm I'm taking the same stance. I think um, there's a lot of things that I can prove on, improve on. There's new things that I'm going to try. Look, I challenged myself to try a lot of. I'm learning a talent right now. Nice. I'm not good at it, but I you know I have my hitting partners from Italy. So challenging challenge to on the court. So. I, you could, that's the one thing you can look for when I have encore coaching, when I go back to tour, it's going to be an Italian.
2: <laughs> I I love that. Now the last question, maybe the most important of this 60 minutes, when we get back out there on the road, what are the chances of a Bethany Prakash TikTok music <laughs> 90s uh, uh, thing, okay. you know?
0: Okay, listen, listen, you had me at 90s, done.
2: Yes, I was okay.
0: maybe gonna say no, but you said news.
2: We it. have we have enough witnesses here, so we're good. It's in the book. Bethany, my news. I I cannot thank you enough. This has been a, a, such a great hour. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I you know I get get my blood flowing in the right way when you know we start talking positivity and energy. So thank you so so it. much for taking the time. Really,
0: of course, yeah. And things other than your frozen face for a while. Like I really enjoyed the interaction too. This is great. Had some great questions. So um, for everyone else, if you want more of this, this is pretty much what I post on my Instagram all day long. And uh, yeah, let's let's keep this going. Keep the energy up, the positivity up, and uh, the tennis tour will be back at some point. So we're we're
2: good. Thank you, Ben. We send listen, we send our best to Justin too and, uh, and and everyone back home.
1: Hey, Philip, that was so fun listening with you. And thanks, everyone, for listening with us. That was a really great interview. I hope you guys liked it. I think, Philip, don't you have some really cool interviews coming up in future podcasts?
3: There are a lot of great uh, players that were interviewed in the series and I look forward to presenting them on our podcast as well. Steve Johnson uh, is available as well and had a great interview talking about his career. You know, he was the most winning college tennis player of all time here in the U.S., undefeated from USC. And he talks about his journey being in college and then going into the pros and how hard that was and losing his father and, you know, lots of really great behind-the-scenes stuff. So looking forward to that. And I'm also excited that we're hopefully going to put together a Christmas special podcast, end-of-the-year podcast, from all of our fan favorites, just talking about you know, where they are in the world, how they are doing, and how their favorite tennis player did this year as well in 2020. So we have that to look forward to as well.
1: Oh, that will be great. I feel like I haven't heard from them in a really long time.
3: And last but not least, we just want to give a huge shout out to Tennis Pal. Thank you so much for sponsoring us and giving us um, so much support and love. Um, Please visit tennispal.com. They've got a great blog there that has a lot of great tennis news that you can check out, as well as the Tennis Pal app. Download that if you haven't already connect with other people to play with they also have a coaching feature on there that you can find a coach and send your video and they can do a virtual coaching session with you so really just a great app i feel like one of the best tennis apps available for apple and android
1: yes i love it it's on the first page of my home screen
3: there you go Well, thanks so much for joining me, Valerie. It's great to get together again. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We really hope that we get back on the court. And when we do, we hope that all of our serves are aces. aces.